Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hey, welcome back to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, uh, <laughs> we're coming off of a bit of a roller coaster victory. Um, we'll, we'll break that down in detail, uh, obviously. Uh, we'll also go through the skull scale, um, as we do on every Tuesday episode. Uh, we've got some great responses that we'll check in with and react to. Uh, and then we'll finish up with just some thoughts on fandom in general. Um, but the bulk of this episode will obviously be breaking down uh, uh, the Vikings' ridiculous victory um, over the Denver Broncos. Um, as always, uh, or I guess not as always, but relatively new, uh, you can find us on Daily Norseman now um, in the Climbing, Climbing the Pocket Network. So um, if you had been already checking us out on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever uh, medium you're using, awesome. But just know that we are now available on Daily Norseman um, and the Climbing the Pocket Network. So shout out to them. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about this football game. Uh, my game plan here is I want to talk about it on kind of a broad scale, kind of the emotional um, roller coaster. Like I said before, to use that same term again, that's exactly what it was. I want to talk about that kind of um, in more detail. So, uh, just before we kick that off, I'll give you your summary of the game that you don't need, but uh, just your your quick refresher. Um, <laughs> Since I know you watched the game, and I'm sure that you've already been listening to other uh, talk shows, but uh, I'll give you the, the quick refresher anyways. Vikings came out absolutely flat, uh, one of the flattest starts to a football game that I've ever seen. Um, not just the Vikings, just in general. Um, they could not do literally anything right. Uh, Denver stuck, uh, staked themselves out to a 20 to nothing lead in the first half. Uh, that was uh, a combination of a lot of different issues that the Vikings were having. Uh, special teams, fumbles, Kirk Cousins got that fumble that we kind of projected that he was going to have. Uh, quite literally everything went wrong. The, the Vikings' play calling in the, in the first half uh, from an offensive perspective was not great. Um, and from a defensive perspective, it seemed like their guys were out of position quite a bit, and Brandon Allen was kind of eating them up. Uh, Cortland, Cortland Sutton, the phenomenal wide receiver that they got there, second-year guy, ate them up, especially during the first half, but was pretty consistent throughout the game. Uh, going into halftime, Anderson Dejo had a great interception that might have changed the outlook of the game. I think we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. And uh, something changed. Something snapped in the second half. The Vikings came out ridiculously hot on offense. They scored on every single drive. Um, they held Denver to three points in the second half. 
Denver continues its streak without a touchdown in the fourth quarter. And your Minnesota Vikings rollercoastered their way to a 27-23 victory that um, pretty much no one has done in the last five years. Uh, well, literally no one in the last five years has done. Um, and I think they proved a lot of people wrong, and uh, rightfully so. Uh, I think pretty much everyone counted them out of this game. Ultimately, the Vikings come back um, and get that W when uh, it really seemed in doubt, uh, at least for the first 30 minutes, if not longer. So uh, that is your game summary right there. Drew, why don't you talk to me about your feelings about this game? Uh, tell me about the emo- emotional roller coaster that you went on personally. Well, I think every single Vikings fan was thinking about the Bills game last year. Yeah. Uh, you mean you had really it was about the same score almost. Uh, I think I think it was 27 nothing actually last year in the Bills game and that's about almost what it was when Abdullah fumbled that kick return and Denver had it in the red zone towards the end of the half there. Thankfully Sandejo was able to get an interception and keep the scoring at 20 nothing <laughs> uh, which actually proved to be a, a big deal in this game. Yeah. But I think every single Vikings fan thought back to that game, thought about being double-digit favorites against an AFC opponent, against you know a young quarterback named Allen, uh, if you really want to get specific about it. <laughs> but it, something happened at halftime. I don't know if there was a talk, if Kirk flipped, flipped a switch, if I don't know what happened at halftime, but definitely on the cool throne is halftime speeches because something <laughs> was said in the, in the locker room. And Fuck I know John snaps. Krasinski has had put up a, a really good uh, column on The Athletic about Stefan Diggs and how uh, he kind of was fired up on the sidelines. And I know that he was, from sources that were at the game, he was being shown a lot on screen, kind of firing up his team. And that also kind of fired up the crowd. And if you're a believer in momentum, uh, that type of thing it really matters. So uh, <laughs> big win for Diggs uh, in terms of, I think, the I don't know if you saw the hate that Chris Harris, the cornerback for Denver, was giving him about his speed. Uh, he made a, he said a quote about how uh, Diggs doesn't have the breakaway speed that some of the other top tier receivers have, so he's not going to burn us. And then Diggs burns exactly him for a 54-yard touchdown. Uh, but a lot of people have been doubting that Kirk can, you know, bring the team back. I think he was 0-11 when losing in the fourth quarter uh, as a Viking. Obviously, the stat too about the like the last X many years, teams down by 20 and a half or 0-99. So both, if you want to say, are statistically due. The Vikings were due, I guess, in that way. But uh, odds were definitely stacked against them. Win probability for Denver was like 96% at one point. Vikings came back and won the game. That shows resolve, and it shows that uh, you know they can overcome a, a horrendous start to win football games. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I hated this. I hated this football game. And I, I think that I did. I, I genuinely did not enjoy my, my fan experience as a as a Vikings fan this weekend. Uh, and here's here's why. I think that uh, I I said this a couple times. But there have been some people that have been like, oh yeah yeah I, I get it I get it. Um, and then there have been other people who've been like, dude that was you know that was a one of the most thrilling victories that you're gonna find. Um, and I agree that it it certainly was that comeback was not only historic but it was completely unprecedented there was literally there's nothing to suggest that the vikings had any potential to do this they've never done this in the past uh they they quite literally bro- they shattered a curse i mean i i think back to you know all the, the millions of times that well it's not actually millions you know what i mean uh hundreds <laughs> of times that this type of thing has happened where you know the vikings get down and you know every fan in the state with the exception of a couple of kind of 
uh, I think, sort of delusional fans. Apologize if that's offending someone, but I kind of see that as a little bit delusional. Uh, was ready to, you know, book this one in and you know walk away from the TV. And uh, for me personally, I'm never, I've never been someone that walks away from any sporting event. Right? I, I, when I was probably eight years old, I was at a, I was at a baseball game with one of my buddies, uh, with one of my buddies and his dad. And uh, it was a Twins game. I think they were playing Boston or New York or one of those AL East teams that uh, just always seemed to whomp the Twins. And I think the Twins were down something like 8 to nothing in, like, the fourth inning or something like that. There was, you know, zero chance of them coming back, and they ultimately didn't come back. But I remember my buddy and I, keep in mind that we were, like, 10, 11, 12 years old or whatever. We didn't want to be there. You know how kids have short, short, intentions, uh, short attention spans uh, combined mm-hmm. with the fact that the Twinks were getting rocked. I mean, we wanted to get out of there. And I remember my buddy's dad was like, you know, no, no, you never leave a sporting event, uh, no matter whatever it is. First of all, you paid to be there. Uh, second of all, uh, something can change. They play, you know, in this case, four quarters in, in uh, you know, in my historic brief here, nine innings at least, uh, for a reason. They do that stuff. I mean, that, that's how the game is set up. It's not, it's not always, it's, ne- it's never over. It's essentially what this comes down to. But, um, and that kind of stuck with me for the rest of my life. So I, I've never been someone that walks away from the TV. I've never been someone that walks out of the stadium early. None of that kind of stuff. But, this one, I was shook straight up, right? <laughs> okay, like I my the first uh, the first fifteen minutes were about as hard to watch emotionally as a fan, and I try to I try to honestly I do try to disconnect my sentiment like my my personal feelings you know being born in Minnesota and like I just I have to be a Viking so I don't even have a choice anymore like I just I just actively hope I have an active interest in you know them winning football games. Uh, but this this one really hammered me, man. Like this was this was very very challenging for me to watch. The Vikings literally did nothing right. They could not move the ball on offense. They weren't. The play calling was frustrating. They were turning the ball over, and if they weren't turning it over, they were almost turning it over. Uh, they were getting <laughs> they were getting shredded by a ridiculously like a quarterback that has no business in this league for the like on most Sundays. I mean, he should be at the very best a backup quarterback, and I mean that's pretty much what he is. Uh, and they were getting shredded by this guy. And then on top of that, you've got Cortland Sutton throwing t- passes downfield that are getting caught. I mean, put that all, all, take all of that, and then you take into the perspective that the Vikings, like there were so many different times where the ball just floated over Xavier Rhodes' hands or just missed the outstretched arms of Trey Waynes and fell complete. That hap- It was just, it was so much to take in. It was body blow after body blow after body blow. And I, for the first time in years, I took a break I stood up and I I went and took a shower because I was like I, I could I couldn't watch I couldn't watch the game it was literally it was affecting my 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 happiness and and generally like I, I try to only allow sporting events to affect my happiness in a positive way uh, but the thing about football is you only get one of these a week so you want to watch the game right and that's uh yeah but well, each I, one matters just that much more than you know a baseball game. Right, or, you you always have tomorrow night or yeah. whatever it is. You got 161 more of these guys. Uh, with this, you you know we've got five games left this season. So I got out mm-hmm. of the shower and I actually walked out of the shower to Kirk Cousins fumbling, which is my worst nightmare <laughs> because I called that from you know last week's show. I, I think a lot of us you know saw that potential outcome and it happened. So that's just even more frustrating. And you know it was it was really really tough to watch in the first half. Second half was, don't get me wrong, the, the Ford touchdown drives, amazing. Like, you know, that was crack for Vikings fans. I mean, you could, like, <laughs> it, was, it was thrilling stuff. I mean, they were doing so many things well. 
Uh, all of your favorite players were getting involved. I mean, you saw Irv Smith get his first touchdown, which was awesome. You saw Kyle Rudolph have yards after catch for the first time in like two years. Stephon Diggs breaks loose. I mean, Dalvin Cook got into the end zone for your fantasy team. I mean, everything was just chugging on. It was Everything was perfect. Then you get to that last drive. And that last drive was borderline harassment. Honestly, like I, I they could. You mean that the Denver's last drive? Yeah, right? Denver's last Denver's last drive. Yeah, the def, the defense couldn't they, like they would get three stops in a row and then two different occasions they converted on fourth down. Like it was, how how do you not believe in momentum at that point? Like it was demoralizing. It was it was it was tough to watch. My heart was racing. I was uncomfortable throughout. I was breaking in. I was breaking out in a sweat. Like it was oh, not, I was sweating. Oh, yeah. Was, this was not fun. That's not, <laughs> that's not like, like yes, I'm thrilled that the Vikings won this game, but this was not fun. It was not a fun experience for me top to bottom. And, I mean, I look at the scoreboard now, and I'm, I am I love it. I mean, I can enjoy my Monday. I'm happy that the Vikings are 8-3. and three. You know, I'm happy that we have a positive <laughs> show for you today. But, my God, I did not have a good experience at all. That's just – and that's, I guess that's <laughs> my two cents of the game. Interesting. I mean – it so the rush that a fan gets, you know, when you're watching your team, yeah, yeah, and it's a close game. See, I enjoy that, and the fact that the Vikings even brought it to a close game was enough for me to overall be satisfied with my experience for sure. watching the game. So that's, I mean, we differ there a little bit, but I agree that it was like extremely stressful, and I was sweating the entire time because I mean, if you, in the grand scheme, they're playing the Broncos at home. This quarterback like you said, is not a starter. Uh, this roster on offense has one playmaker that's worth a lot, right? Yep. Cortland Sutton. Yep. Uh, Noah Fant could be maybe if he was targeted more. Um, point being, though, actually, he had a lot of targets yesterday. Uh, uh, that J. Ron Curse broke up down the stretch. But it it was one of those, like, you go into the game kind of assuming, but you don't want to assume that get your head yourself, but you assume right. that the Vikings should win this game. We were very confident and, about this game. Very yeah, and confident. then be- right, right before halftime, you're thinking, well, seven and four, division's probably out of the question now. Right. Uh, you know, it's for sure going to be a wild card game in the playoffs on the road. That type of thing creeps into your mind. Mm-hmm. All those negative future yep. outlooks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nar- the narratives that the media has Plus been nar- hammering us and for. The narrative of Kirk. You know, he he fumbled uh, poorly. You know, I mean, that was a pretty. I mean, obviously. Riley Reef getting or completely whiffing on the block is one thing, but yep. Kirk fumbling and not being able to play from behind, all this stuff, like it, you start thinking about it. And then for them to come back, make it a game, Kirk, phenomenal performance. And I don't know if we want to say the MVP, <laughs> bring that up again, but it's worth bringing up because this is one of those games where this is an MVP this performance. Is, this is why you pay a quarterback 84 million guaranteed dollars, is because when everything else is going wrong, you can say, okay, Kirk. Let's win this game, or Al, you win this game, and that's exactly what he did. And he he made every single throw he needed to in the second half. They went four for four on touchdown drives. They got the ball four times, and I scored a touchdown every time. I don't know what else you you want from that from him there. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the emotions obviously it's it's unbelievable. I mean, you get every case, every single emotion that a Vikings fan, you know, can experience every season where you get. You get the high expectations before the game, like, oh, yeah, we're going to win this game. Uh, so you're at home against an inferior opponent. This is classic. It's your high expectations. Uh, you get the incredible disappointment let down a la Eagles in 2017. Yep. You got the first half, just nothing went right. Team is flat. Uh, the devastation there. Then you get 
the kind of oh, hope. They're making they're making it interesting. The hope, yeah. The hope slips into your mind. That oh my god, and I don't like that. Like yeah, but then it's like as Brandon Allen is slowly driving Denver on the final drive, yeah, then yeah. you get your like oh they're gonna blow this. Here we go yep. again. You start thinking how, about two thousand three Cardinals game now. Yep. So yep, uh. you got every emotion possible, and then the rare instance here where the Vikings actually do hold on for the win and do hold on and fulfill that hope that they kind of generated uh, in the fourth quarter early on that so you, got, you got every type of motion you want as a fan there. It was overall, it was fun, but I'm with you. Like I, I'm not with you, but I, I understand if it was not fun for some, just because of <laughs> how uncomfortable the entire thing was from the devastation of the first half to the, the sweat literally the sweat in the second half yeah yeah it was uh it was a wild ride that's and that's really the simplest way to put it um yeah let's let's narrow in the focus here from kind of the broad outlook i mean the difference here is you know you mentioned it it, this is a it's a huge this is an astronomical difference on that just that last play of the game the difference between being eight and four in this situation in the nfc with so many teams and the difference between that and being seven and four and, you know, like you said, I mean, thinking about the future for this team and, the, well, the immediate future for this team, it, the outlook is just simply not very good. I mean, with that one play uh, that Che Ron Curse makes at the end of the game there, uh, you, you drastically altered uh, what the potential for this Vikings team is this season. Uh, and obviously, uh, this all starts with Kirk Cousins. So uh, we've talked about him a little bit already, but, I mean, let's, let's, talk, let's break down this performance bit by bit. Uh, the the first half for Cousins, I honestly I didn't think the first half was that bad. Now, it, don't like <laughs> give me a second here to explain. It wasn't it wasn't good. It wasn't good. He turned the ball over, so he made the kind of the cardinal error there that you know he has made throughout um, his career, um, not just with the Vikings but with, the, with Washington as well. Um, for for what it's worth, he has not been fumbling basically at all uh, over the last month or so. Just put that in perspective but um, he was playing the game that he's called as he loves to say during his post-game press conferences he was playing the game that was called and I personally don't believe that uh, Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak were calling to uh, a very good game in that first half now the decision making couple of blunders there not great uh, you don't I mean nobody likes seeing him ever check, check down to CJ Ham, but especially on a free play you know I've mm-hmm. seen that one all over Didn't the place like that. that was not good um the failure to kind of stretch the field, throwing the intermediate and deep routes. Uh, I, I honestly, I think the one deep pass that they threw during the first half was the one that got called back on a Riley Reef hold. Uh, the Stephon Diggs catch that kind of breath, like, for a fl- for like a flash of time, you kind of breathe some life into the Vikings, and then immediately gets pulled back. And mm-hmm. uh, so the first half was uh, it wasn't good, but it wasn't horrible. He wasn't he wasn't the reason, or he wasn't the sole reason why the Vikings were down twenty to nothing. That kind of that's on the defense, but I digress. Uh, the second half, on the other hand, might have been peak Kirk Cousins, the best Kirk version of Kirk Cousins that uh, you will ever see, and definitely the best Kirk Cousins that I have personally seen uh, to date. I, I think that well, anytime you score on every single drive, obviously that's good. <laughs> uh, but but just a little Think it true. Yeah, the little things that he did well. Uh, specifically the way he was throwing the ball moving out to his left when he bootlegged out to the left side. I mean, he was – he's got to have – his rating's got to be near perfect in those situations. Uh, yesterday, I think it was perfect. 
uh, it was incredible. I mean, he was making pinpoint throws down the field. He was navigating a different style of offense, a hurry-up offense where he was making checks at the line of scrimmage, getting his guys in position. I mean, there was a couple of different times where he quite literally like pointed out to Stephon Diggs and said, like, go, like you need to be lined up off the line of scrimmage in this situation. Then he turns to his left, and he's like, Irv Smith, all right, you're over here. I mean, he was conducting the entire offense for four consecutive drives, and they were running in – I mean, they were running the ball down the field. Big play after big play after big play, and doing so without Delvin Cook as well, who was basically a non-factor as a rusher yesterday. So he literally put the team on his back, down 20 to nothing, mm-hmm. staring in the face of all these just horrific narratives that are, to a degree, accurate, but also created by the media and people like us as well. Um, and he just he didn't care. I mean, like, you know, like how we question people question his mentality, like he... He's allowing stuff to get into his head. I mean, that was just the furthest thing from the truth in this game. He ignored... I don't think he. I, I really don't think he lets anything, any outside noise get to him. It's I think it's simply a like matter it. of. It's a matter of in-game pressure. I think when things do get to him, like but physical pressure. It's though. a matter of. It's a matter of like the physical, you know, like the defensive line getting close to him, and then he feel like I don't want to use the term, you know, seeing ghosts or feeling ghosts like that Sam Darnold did on my football but i feel like it's a that's something that a lot of quarterbacks face like it's not just inexperienced young guys you know so and especially when you have a poor offensive line and pass protection like kirk has had during his time in minnesota like it's very easy for that to be the case and i think that's what gets to him more than the outside noise i really don't think he gives one you know what about what we say or what vikings fans think or what the kirk collin coward says like i don't think he cares so he seems it, to reinforce that too, at least as right. of late. It's just, it's just unfortunately, you know. Again, it, a lot of this is for his ability, you know, whatever his attitude towards come from behind, how his mindset shifts, um, his style of play, whatever it is. It's a combination of things, but he just hasn't been successful in comeback situations in his career. He just hasn't, uh, and I think this has to be a huge confidence booster for him from that perspective to say, okay, well now. We know, let's say the Vikings are trailing Seattle, you know, on Monday Night Football in a couple weeks by a couple possessions in the fourth quarter. They don't need to buckle down and and, uh, they don't need to buckle in and just give up. Like they can, they know that they have the firepower to come back. And if they, especially if they get Kirk moving to his left, like he's as accurate as anybody in the NFL. So, yeah, this is big from that perspective because, again, Denver's a really good defense. Like this is perhaps the toughest defense that Kirk has faced this season. He just ripped them in the second half. Yeah, and that's important to note here because people want to – well, it's mainly Packers fans for what it's worth, but people in general want to discount the Vikings' ability to come back here because Denver is, you know, not a good football team. Uh, At least what their record – the record says they're a very bad football team. Um, They do have – I'm trying to think of their their losses, though. I think it's three three of them. I think it's three three games they lost in the fourth quarter. Three games by two, exactly. They have this game by four. They have the Bears game that was – they should not have lost that game. Trubisky yep. had that completion on the field with less than a second left, and they gave him another play. And somehow the Bears kicker made a clutch kick. That never happens. Right. And then they had, I think, the Colts game a couple weeks ago where Adam Vinatieri was like 0 for 12 in the game, and then he buried a game winner. So yep. it's stuff like that that has happened to this team that, you know, they're really close to being good. And – another close loss for them and it's again i think kirk this is this is a signature performance for kirk cousins in minnesota yeah. uh now 
this is again that's this is by no means the same thing as beating seattle or as you know uh valuable of a win per se as something like seattle would be next uh, in two weeks but it's it's super impressive and i think it's again if you believe in momentum you believe in the camaraderie like aspect of you know winning football games uh you really like this win because of how they finished the game and how they fought through a really really bad start to still get a win while pretty much everybody uh besides kirk was not at their best in this game yeah yeah uh it was a banner performance for kirk cousins for sure um and like i said he did so many different things well uh, the deep passes were on point. I mean, you cannot throw a better ball than the one that he threw to Diggs on the touchdown. It, it literally unbelievable. It was pinpoint accuracy. I mean, you got Chris Harris in coverage there too. I mean, one of the best cover guys in the country. Um, it's just like it, it. He did. He did. He did the things right from a captain standpoint, right? Like a leader. Uh, he. he he did his job, but then he also did it from like a technical standpoint, like the way he was maneuvering around in the pocket, evading pressure. I mean, the Broncos got to him five times yesterday. You know, there was real pressure there. Pat Elfline, Riley Reef, and uh, Garrett Bradbury all had negative P- PFF grades. If you're someone who buys into that, like significant, like very bad bottom tier. PFF grades. So if you're into that, I mean, that just suggests that the offensive line was horrid. I mean, and they were. And he was able to kind of navigate around that, uh, find ways to, you know, still get the balls to ball to his playmakers in the second half. I mean, I still it still baffles me that they they, they don't force feed Diggs more, but they did in the second oh, half. Yeah. That worked. I think everybody's in agreement there. Like, yeah. The first half when they didn't take any shots besides the one to Diggs down. It just doesn't like, make sense. If he's one on one with anybody in, in football, you you give him a chance, and yeah. that that obviously has to improve moving forward. And it's not as easy as. We were making it sound like, okay, get to the line of scrimmage, you see one-on-one and throw it. It's, there's right. more to it than that. But you need to force feed a guy that's that talented. Because he – I saw some um, – I saw somebody on, on Twitter. I can't remember who it was. But they were making a note of how few pass attempts the Vikings have as a team and how many yards Diggs has generated out of that. And, like, you put him on scale with uh, some of the leaders in terms of the pass attempts comparison, what? and he's – Certainly up there. Like, what do you high, think? Top five ranking in in, uh, in football. What do you like? Just without looking, at, I have the stat in front of me. Just as okay. a you know, as someone who has watched all the games and watched them, you know, with kind of a a, a an intri- like an intricate eye. Uh, what do you think his yards per reception is this season? Yards per reception. Yeah. So every time he catches the ball, what's the average? Yeah. Yeah, it's a heck of a lot more than last year. Last year he was exactly ten. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably 14, 15. It's 19.1 on the season. <laughs> okay. <Oops. laughs> and then literally double last year. Pretty and much. then uh, Matthew Collar on Score North today, said he did it by target. It's 15 yards per target. So even the balls that are falling incomplete, he's averaging 15 yards per target this season. That's in, That's incredible. That has to be... That, that has to rank pretty It's, it's otherworldly. It's not that like has it to did. rank pretty freaking high in, in NFL right now. It's like it's one of those statistics where like you can easily kind of disqualify it because obviously if it's incomplete, like you got zero yards, right? But like just the fact that like if you just target him more, I mean the numbers will eventually kind of regress to the mean to use He's, a ma- math word for you. Fifteen yards per target is absurd. Yeah, it is absurd. Like. Yeah. And, and and you mentioned it too to come off of what where he was at last year, hundred and two receptions, 
little over shot was, a hair yeah, over a thousand yards. Basically a hundred for a thousand, more mm-hmm. or less, right? Yeah. That's basically what was one oh two for one twenty. So uh it's crazy. That's the one. That's kind of the major. That's the. That's a big critique. I mean, there are obviously bigger ones that come out of this game, uh, but that's uh, that's an important one. You got to find a way to get him the ball more. Uh, but Cousins was able to find him a lot uh, during that second half, and he had an explosive performance as he seems to do. Uh, I think there's a very strong argument that well. You know, I think it's pretty much definitive at this point because he does have the one play that matters more than anything else. Uh, he's the most clutch receiver that the Vikings have ever had. And we're talking about a list of Chris Carter, Randy Moss, Jake Reed. I mean. Yeah. So, Stefan Diggs leads the NFL in, in yards per target. Yeah. Uh, that's not that that's surprising. But, like, um, I'm trying to look here. I'm just looking at pro football reference right now. And of the top, you know, 10, there are four of them with 60 or more targets you got Diggs, then you have amari cooper who's at 11.2 yards per target you have Cortland sutton who has yep. 10.6 you have michael thomas is in tyler, tyler lockett 10.4 michael thomas has 10 exactly yards per target mm-hmm. um he has 114 targets this year holy smokes but yep. like the efficiency there is incredible so basically what we're saying is by giving some cool numbers, but basically we're saying get this guy the ball because <laughs> he's nobody is more efficient, uh, and yet literally nobody's more efficient, and it's not really close uh, with their targets and Stefan Diggs. And he does it in the biggest of moments. That's the, mm-hmm. and that's I mean obviously a, a wide receiver's performance is somewhat a product, well a lot a product of the quarterback, um, but the fact that he's always open when the Vikings seem to need it most, whether it's the kind of the the fluky Minneapolis miracle where it took a mistake plus a gutsy throw, or the fact that he literally he shredded Chris Harris on that play. I can't wait till the All-22 comes out because he was – I mean, he had three steps on him. So it's, it's crazy. He was, he was outstanding. He showed up in the biggest moment. Um, you know, this is, a, this is the type of game where you need to have this if you want to have – not, not just win the division, but if you want to have a shot at winning – getting a first-round bye and playing at home throughout – uh, you need to have this type of win. I mean, grand scheme, AFC opponent, uh, you know, it doesn't affect your conference record, any of those tiebreakers. Uh, but if you want to be a team that's competing for a bye, uh, you need mm-hmm. to have these wins. And the Vikings found a way to do that, um, basically because Kirk Cousins turned it on in a way that we have never seen before. Correct. Correct. Uh, and I and honestly, we may never see this again. And that's – it's just – it's great to – it's nice to know. It's nice to have physical evidence, video evidence, proof definitively that the Vikings have the capacity to go down the field against a great defense and come back when they're down on multiple scores. This is not something that you could say about Teddy Bridgewater, who I love and have defended for years, but you can't say that about Teddy Bridgewater. No way in hell Teddy Bridgewater is coming back down 20, ga- 20 points – that's just – it's not his game. He never did that. I mean, Case Keenum, maybe. Maybe Case Keenum. But not not Bridgewater. Not not definitely Case not – he might – I mean, maybe not 20 points, but he does have kind of the cojones to, to make those you – know, Oh, those he throws. does. He's got, the, he's, he's got the cojones to launch the ball down the field. We my, know that. My point being here is I don't, I, I don't remember a Vikings quarterback, quarterback in my lifetime, so you can exclude – you know, Fran Tarkenton and all those, you know, old school names that you want to throw out there. There's been no Vikings quarterback other than Cousins and then Favre for a single season, which is, you know, he's not a Vikings quarterback. I mean, I, we say it as a joke, but this is the first true blue Vikings quarterback where I've been able to be like, okay, if we're down two scores against a good defense, there's now 
proof that he, this guy can do it. He did it. Okay, so that's the biggest takeaway for me. And honestly, like uh, that makes me believe <laughs> that this team can do more than uh, seeing them come back like this. I don't care that it's an inferior opponent. Just the fact that they did it. It's there now. Mm-hmm. They know we know they can do it. We can believe. You know, for those of you who do love hope, and and honestly, who love hope to the point of delusion, you have facts to back up that now. Yes. And that's awesome. That's a great feeling as a fan. It's really, it's like, to know that you're never out of the game, like you said before, this is why you pay the guy $84 million. Period. Yep. Uh, Straight up. That, that This is exactly why. And it, we've, it, I think we've all kind of been waiting for something like this where... Uh, we needed it. I mean, we're not waiting for the team... You know, the other 52 guys on the team to have a bad performance, you know, it's just so Kirk can get this win, but it does validate that the contract he has. I mean, Absolutely. I think we've been waiting for that, you know, because last year there were games where, um, like the, the Packers game that was a tie at Lambeau where he played phenomenally. They didn't quite come away with a win because of a kick, you know, or you had the, the Rams game last year where he did the same thing. And it was just happened to be that Jared Goff had the best performance of his lifetime. Yep. Uh, this is one where, he truly put the team on his back, and they won because of him. It yep. kind of, in a way, redeems the Packers' loss week two. Obviously, the Packers' loss means more in scheduling and division rivalry and whatnot. But in a way, that this is the best way that Kurt can kind of make up for it is really winning a game because of his performance. So um, I kind of want to get to school skill here because we have a lot of good ones. But I do want to also give a shout-out to Jaron Curse. In the way he filled in. I was in. just gonna say we should we should brief on the defense quick. Here. Yeah, I mean, I, do, I just want I just want to I just want to touch on J. Ron Curse because I think a you know the secondary overall was was beaten for the you know you, you can't let Brandon Allen and is it Tim Patrick I don't even know his name but Patrick yeah. Tim Patrick uh, Portland Sutton's a good player you know I, I'm okay with the Vikings getting beat by him a few yep. times but Brandon Allen shouldn't be torching you we know that secondary got beat that's there's nothing more to discuss there and I think it's at a concerning level at this point, the last two weeks, Dak threw, got whatever he wanted. Uh, Brandon Allen got pretty much whatever he wanted, but the bright spot for me is a, I think Hunter and Griffin are still getting pressures at an, a, a stupid rate. Yep. Uh, pass or rushing the passer. And then J Ron curse filled in and was clutched down the stretch. Uh, as the Broncos tried to target Noah Fant, he was not letting it happen. So those are my two bright spots on the defense. Curse, uh, Curse is a guy who, in the last couple weeks, if you follow his Twitter account, has been a little bit outspoken about his kind of uh, uh, annoyance with the fact that he hasn't been getting more ta- more playing time. And he got he actually got Mike Zimmer to say during a press conference today that he probably should be playing more. And I mean, it, that perform the performance that he had was it was such a championship level performance. It's like. You could you could tell that he came from Clemson because he was ready for the big moment yeah. and he was ready for it. What he wanted, four, he wanted the moment too. and he got he it like four it. times in a row and he came up big every single time. You wouldn't know this by watching that game, but Brandon Allen actually finished with under fifty percent completion largely because of J. Ron Curse. I think he was zero for five when he was shooting at J. Ron Curse, so he was shutting down Fant. And the other tight end, I don't remember that dude's name, but he was silencing tight ends, which Anthony Barr was struggling with throughout the game. Curse comes in. I mean, that big nickel package is looking really nice against tight ends right now because Curse just, he was doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job. And then he, he excelled in that big moment, like he said. It became a bend but don't break type of situation. Um, and the Vikings did not break because of that type of performance from Curse. Uh, you know, I, I am very concerned about Xavier Rhodes at this point. 
Uh, yeah. I'm with all of you guys. I think that he is, uh, at, at the very least, to put it kindly, a subpar cornerback right now. Uh, that's where he's at. Trey Waynes was had a humongous tackle, which he's come a long way as a tackler uh, since his rookie season. And part of that is probably putting on some bulk and some other technical things. But that tackle that he made on third and uh, third and short in the backfield, or well, not necessarily in the backfield, but on the kind of the right sideline for a four-yard loss was humongous. So he had a couple of nice plays, but in coverage, not great. I mean, Mike Hughes got burnt to a crisp again. I guess he's technically, I mean, games-wise, he's still – pretty much a rookie so some of that is somewhat expected but the coverage was not good and that's something that's going to need to that's going to need to improve if we're truly going to have super super bowl aspirations for this team but um i mean the defense as a whole was not great they still only allowed 23 but again you're playing against brandon allen it's not like it's disheartening for sure i'm, I'm with you guys who are complaining about the defense who have a problem with the defense right now uh, they need to be way better, but at least you can count on the front four. Jaleel Johnson had a maybe his best game as a pro. Got his, I believe, is either his first or second career sack. Uh, so that's that's he all. made some big plays. He did make some big plays, and keep in mind he's filling in for Joseph. So it's nice to see that you had that type of depth there. Uh, and then you know, with the exception to in coverage, Anthony Barr was not great, but I thought that Barr was a solid player. I mean, he's not. He he. I I don't know if he's ever going to live up to that contract, and that's probably a discussion we can have down the road because I he got a very big contract. Like he got an edge rusher contract to not really be a true edge rusher, to be kind of an all purpose linebacker. And I don't really know if that's something that's, you know, I don't think that he necessarily excels in that way, but uh, he did, he was able to, uh, to make a couple of nice plays. But again, that's secondary, man, that's a problem. Harrison Smith yeah. limps off with a hamstring too. There are some real concerns. Which that's, that's, <laughs> I mean, for it's concerning, but when you have Jaron curse, getting targeted five times, allowing exactly zero receptions. Uh, you know, it, you feel a little bit better about it. Xavier Rhodes, by the way, official numbers from Pro Football Focus, five targets, uh, allowed four receptions for 110 yards, and also had two penalties. Yep. So, not, not great. Good. Not good. And really, teams should just be throwing it at him as much as they can, because he chances, needs safety are, help at this point. chances are, if he if the completion's not allowed down the field, there's probably going to be a penalty on top of it. So, it's one or the other. Uh, and that's that's a real pr- that's Which, a, by that's the way a very problem. shocking that they just didn't go to Sutton at all uh in that final drive there I mean I think he had one completion early on in the drive and then as they got in the red zone they didn't even look that way yeah. which was interesting but yeah. all right skull skill time let's go ours first um I'll start by saying I coming into the week I did not expect a Broncos win to change uh a win over the Broncos to change my number I think it was that eight um but the way this played out uh and it obviously it means a lot to have you know ending on a positive note versus if the vikings let's say let's let's say they get up to 24 nothing lead and then they just squeaked by with like a four-point win but um i'm gonna i'm gonna up it to about 8.3 and that's literally only because of kirk cousins like yeah i'm gonna go 8.5 8.5 a full half point just because i know kirk can put the team on his back and win a game now yeah. Uh, so from eight to eight point five, and again, coming into the week, I would not have, under normal circumstances, given the Vikings any extra boost for beating Denver at home. But the way Kirk against a top five defense, uh, put the team on his back, and really, again, they win this game because of Kirk Cousins and the fact that he can do that now and is living up to that contract with that win. Certainly, uh, that gives me a, a half point boost in the goals. 
Yeah, I was at 8.5 last week. I'm going to just jump up a, like a couple points here because I, I think that 8.5 is a pretty good place to be after this one, um, keeping mm-hmm. in mind that, again, the skull scale is to suggest that, you know, how, how many teams in the league do you think the Vikings can beat? Uh, and, you know, what are the chances that, you know, you believe that they can win, they could de- truly win, yeah. you know, a tough game. How many teams are they better than? Like, it's to me, it's a what percentage of teams are the Vikings better than? You right. Know? And uh, I think, I think that 85%, so 8.5 is pretty, it's pretty, pretty solid. I'll jump up to 8.8 uh, because I, I, I do want to boost for the same reason that you just said, that Kirk Cousins proved that he can do this. And the statistics are backing it up too. I mean, this is now, uh, <laughs> it's crazy. I, I was count, I was counting. I mean, he he has one, two, three, four, six of the last seven games. His pass rating has been over one hundred, and the other, the one that wasn't was a ninety four point two, and that was the one against Kansas City, which was largely decreased because of his completion percentage of fifty percent. So he has consistent since the beginning of October. I don't know what snapped. It was the Bears game. It was the Adam Thielen apology. That's what it was. Whatever it was. (laughs) Whatever it was. He has snapped since then. And he he is a good quarterback. You can believe. I mean, it's facts. It's – I'm not waiting for the the fall as much as I was before. That's kind of the biggest difference here. I have – my expectations for Kirk Cousins – are no longer based on his salary. They're based more on what I have seen him do now. I, I now believe that he can keep the Vikings in a game against anyone. Any It doesn't matter. I mean, Denver's as good of a defense as you're going to face. Seattle does not have this defense. They, are, they, are, they, are they a more complete they team? They definitely do not have the, the – they're not the Legion of Boom anymore. No, they sure. are not. Are they a more complete team with a much better quarterback that, you know – if you fall behind against, it's probably going to be a problem. Absolutely. But Kirk Cousins has proven that he can beat good defenses with timely play. Uh, that That is worthy of a bump. Uh, so I will yeah. jump this thing up to 8.8. I think it's it's worth noting that if, let's say, the, you know, overall it's a net positive for me. But, like, yeah, it, it's because we needed does to see have this. A, it's a, there's a negative effect with the defense there, too. Like, you know, overall the defense drops this the grade a little bit, but Kirk's performance drops it probably increases everything by about a full point. So I'm about at net half point increase, but it's like that defensive performance is just very it, it it's concerning. But they still and only allowed twenty three points for what it's they worth. They did, but it, it but at it was home, concerning. That, that I get stadium, I get it, but you know, I'm saying the Vikings like, are, have been have been lights out in that stadium. You if know, that's if that's worst case Derek scenario, Carr, Matt Ryan, all these guys have done nothing at US Bank Stadium this year. You know? And for Brian Allen to go in there and have his way, like it, it is concerning. Xavier Rhodes does not look like a number one corner. But any overall positive, uh, at least in my opinion. So let's get to your opinions now. Uh you have James Kuno uh, at James twelve ninety seven. He actually gave us three tweets here to kind of tell his skull scale so i love it by the way this he's going to give us the complete rundown here so he's at an eight he says all season long we hear about the narratives around kirk cousins primetime wins winning teams playing against good defenses etc kirk has done nothing this season but shatter these narratives he's undefeated so far in primetime wins even beating a winning team on the road uh and he just put up 300 plus yards and three touchdowns against it's a Vic Fangio defense that was ranked the top five going into the game. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, he made a fourth quarter comeback. What can't he do now? 
while it wasn't a winning team, their record is, isn't as indicative of their talent. Denver lost a lot of really close games. Very true, as we mentioned earlier. They have they have had some tough losses this year. Yep. Uh, I remember hearing the broadcaster say at one point that this team isn't built to play from behind, and yet pulled it off with four. They did starters. say that. They did say that the Vikings can't play if they're I said not. That. I, I literally tweeted that exact thing. I think sarcastically I said, like, well, hey, at least the Vikings are built to play from behind. Ha ha. LOL. And they literally came back and won. So, I mean, I, I, the point that he makes, like, what can't they do? I mean, that's that really is kind of like the, the epitome of the skull scale. Like, if you. If like your Vikings optimism level is based on what you think the ceiling is for the Vikings, and right now I don't see the ceiling. Now, are we going to learn a lot against Seattle in two weeks? Oh yeah, for sure. But looking into this, going into a bye week where we don't have to judge this team on something new for two weeks, I mean, sky is the limit. I mean, it, they it is. They just. What, what do you need them to do? They can't play Green Bay every week to redeem that game. They can't go to Soldier Field again this year and play. Like, those games are in the past. They lost them. It sucks. I mean, it's not great. But, like, do, like looking at what you've seen the last two months, would you truly believe that the Vikings are out of it going to Soldier Field again? No, I don't think so. If the Vikings go to Lambeau Field again this year, do you think that that game looks a little bit different? I, I tend to think I tend to think so. If the if the Vikings go to Foxborough right now, do you think that's going to be a competitive game with the way that the Patriots' offense is playing? Do you think that they can get past the front four of San Francisco right now? I mean, there are question marks, there is skepticism there, but that's the like I love that point because truly, I think the Vikings can beat anyone. Will they beat everyone remains to be seen, and pro- it seems unlikely. But can they do it? Absolutely. Why can't they? They have the potential to, I think, at the least, is what we're coming to right now. Right. I mean, you can't say that about a lot of teams, you know. Most teams. I think there's probably there's probably eight, I don't eight? Know, eight to ten teams that you could say this team could beat anybody. And the parity at the top of the the parity at the top of the league, not oh, yeah. throughout the league, but the parity amongst the top eight teams in the NFL right now suggests. I mean, there's no the San Francisco 49ers, New England Patriots, and Baltimore Ravens are essentially the juggernauts right now. You can throw New Orleans in there as well if you want. I yep. mean, I don't. There's no reason to believe the Vikings can't compete with them. There's no reason. I mean, if the Vikings have to go to the Superdome, I don't think that's that's game over. I think they could still win that football game. So I would. I wouldn't have said that before the season. But, absolutely. All right. Our guy, Mister Minnesota, at Mister Minnesota, uh, he says a ten. He's he's all in. He's he's pushing all the chips forward. He's a ten. Knowing the Vikings can come back from a huge deficit like that is incredibly encouraging. The most underrated play of the game. It was Dejo's interception at the end of the half. I, I think the Vikings agree. lose if that interception doesn't happen. Absolutely. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah. You know, we like to make fun of him for, for knocking Every, his own teammates out. Everything you <laughs> everything. But No, yeah, that's, that's yeah, a great, yeah. that's a that's, great it, point. I sent, that te- yeah. I sent that text message to one of my buddies. I, I literally said, Sendejo, of all people, changed the game. And he did. If they, don't, if they don't intercept that ball, think about what they're going into half with. Abdullah fumbles. Let's say they only get three there. They're down twenty three nothing, and then they, and then, I mean that's a problem. That's and a different if game. Sadejo's not there. That pass is probably completed, I believe, to Fant, who was behind him. Yeah, which would be a touchdown. Oh, that he, he would did, be nasty. He, saved, he did. He's the. He is like the. He is the guy. Like he is the, that's one, the unsung hero. He, that's exactly yes. He is the unsung hero. Perfect. All right, now we get to our guy Adam West. Uh, <laughs> Dose a, of reality coming. I feel a like. West D one. He is a. For those who don't know, uh, I'm sure people know, but. He's a he's a uh, 
I don't want to say a hater of Kirk. A Vikings say a, contrarian. A, doubter, a truther. He's a truther of yeah. Kirk. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll say that. Uh, he says seven and a half. Uh, we've seen this team play at second half level before, talking about in the second half how they, the lights out offense. Um, and after two weeks, they reverted back. So he's saying, you know, there was a few weeks in between where uh, Kirk and the offense were kind of sporadic. But um, overall, you know, the, the offense uh, has kind of gotten back on track, and he really likes the um, deep downfield shots. He is a big fan of getting the ball downfield to Stefan Diggs. And I, Adam, I know what you're talking about. I'm fully on board with that. So um, the Minnesota Vikings need to take more shots downfield. I think that's the big criticism here from Adam. But seven and a half is Adam West's uh, school scale number. So, yeah, I mean, he says going to need more consistency there. Yeah, I'm with you. More consistency. You know, you can't just play one half of good football most of the time and win. Uh, the Vikings are able to in this case. Although I would like to see more credit from Adam when it comes to uh, giving Kirk Cousins what he's due and uh, realizing that this guy really put the team on his back to win the game. Uh, now, here's another account. Uh, at heat underscore Vikings. Uh, I think I've seen this account. Um, maybe a, another doubter of Kirk Cousins as well. Uh, got two tweets here from him. He says, I have a 9 out of 10 optimism on the team and brain trust itself because they've done a good job outside of signing or draft choice here or there. Of, of a signing or draft choice here or there. But he goes on to say, I have a five and a half out of 10 optimism on cousins being capable of winning games that matter versus quality teams. Sorry. I had, so, <laughs> yeah, those watching on video, BJ did, was gone. I had to do a monologue there you, for like did, 10 seconds. Did you say it? Did you say, did, do they even know that I was gone or did you just keep walking? Now they do. Oh, <laughs> damn. I just had, but, uh, I just had the, the, the police just showed up at my apartment door because someone in my apartment, made a phony call to the police and they thought that oh. it came from my room. Yeah. So I just had to basically, like, and this is the second time it's happened. So the guy was like, wait, I've seen you before. Like the, and I was like, no. Yeah. I'm... So those watching on YouTube just saw me like stumble through Adam West's tweet and then talking to nobody basically. But anyway, it worked Sorry. out. Okay. So I'm going to restart. So I went through Adam West's tweet. I don't know if you, you, you're, we're behind. So you can't really get, get the feedback there, unfortunately. But this next tweet here is from, at heat underscore Vikings. I think it's another account that has been skeptical of Kirk. Okay. Uh, if I'm remembering Vikings Twitter correctly. So these are kind of Adam and this guy are kind of like the, the leaders of the uh, Kirk skepticism. So he says nine out of 10 optimism on the team and brain trust itself because they've done a great job outside of a signing here or there or a draft choice here or there. But he then says, I have a five and a five out of 10 optimism on cousins being capable of winning games that matter versus quality teams. And he's talking about San Francisco, New Orleans, Seattle, Green Bay, NFC playoff teams. Mm -hmm. uh, he then he adds another tweet, says five and a half means basically it's opponent coaching and cast dependent on whether he'll perform. I have a relatively high confidence in the cast, but the opponent can have a game plan to stop the run or get enough pressure that could torpedo the offense. So I can't have confidence in Kirk. What are your thoughts there? Okay, so the part that sticks out to me is cast dependent, which... <clears throat> I, I think that's a fair criticism, but I think that's a fair criticism of literally every quarterback. Yeah. Literally 100% of 
Look at Carson Wentz right now. I think that this is probably a good point of reference. Carson Wentz, two years ago, MVP candidate before he gets hurt. I don't think that his play has dropped off since he got hurt. Like, in terms of his ability to perform as a quarterback, I don't think he's different. I think the surrounding cast around him is much different. Nelson Aguilar can't catch balls. He's basically got two Pro Bowl caliber tight ends to throw the ball to. Alshon Jeffrey is off. If he's on the field, he's dropping passes, If he, and a lot of the time he's hurt. Uh, the running back situation is a rookie, Miles Sanders, who is ineffective. Uh, Jordan Howard, who was out this week, but is basically a guy who's going to get you four four yards no matter what and nothing better ever. Uh, and they just had to sign Jay Ajayi because they, didn't, they don't even have enough backs. So that's the cast that he's working with. And they're losing games. Be- it's not because of Carson Wentz. It's because of the guys that are around him. You could say the same thing about pretty much everyone, with the exception of guys like, I don't know, Mitchell Trubisky, who finds ways to lose games. Has Kirk done that in the past? Yes. Has he done that in recent memory? So talking like eight games? No, I think the cast has failed Kirk more than Kirk has failed the team, at least in the last yeah. month or month plus or so. Let's let's just let's just look at this cast, right? Because you know, the Vikings are missing Adam Thielen. Yeah. But Superstar they, they do, Pro Bowl receiver. But they do have All arguably they have no, they have the, the second best running back in the NFL. The best one not named yeah, Christian which, McCaffrey. And they have Stephon Diggs who is ar- yeah, no. I mean, you can argue he's higher than this, but I'm gonna say he's a top fifteen wide receiver well, in the NFL. Let's look at this game in particular. So okay. cast dependent, opponent dependent. These are all fair criticisms of Kirk. You know, I think uh in the past and given the way his career has has played out. But I don't think this Broncos game is a good example of that, especially in the second half, because you have, I mean, if we're talking about the opponent, Denver's Denver's defense is borderline top five in the NFL. Yeah. All right, where it was going into the game, their rankings are going to fall a little bit now because of Kirk. You have the running game was stuffed. Del, so Dalvin Cook was essentially a non-factor in this game. He had one or two kind of explosive no, plays. No, he was on a straight-up non-factor. But pretty much non-factor uh, as a receiver his, his, too, by the way. Yeah. And. Stefan Diggs, obviously, huge playmaker, got past Chris Harris there, but that ball was absolutely perfect. Like, a lot of receivers. It was in you know, stride. I don't want to discredit Stefan Diggs and his ability to get open, but that was a perfect throw that a lot of receivers with the right speed would have been able to make. So, right. you know, and I don't think this game is a good example of what he's talking about. Now, I'm still on the kind of a little bit skeptical. In, of Kirk in primetime games, you know, against really good opponents like this. Seattle game is going to tell me a lot yeah, about yeah. Kirk. Uh, but, you know, I, I understand those concerned about Kirk and a little skeptical skeptical still, but the, the performance against Denver went a long way for me. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you for sure. I, I, I understand the, the kind of the harping on narratives because, like, we have – Vikings fans have this inherent expectation that the Vikings are going to blow it. And Kirk Cousins has somewhat epitomized that sentiment throughout his career. Like, he is the personification of how you feel about the Vikings in big games. The fumbles, the stupid interceptions, the just the baffling slides to not get a first down. Like, he just does so many little things where you're like, oh my god, like, this is like, this is what it's been to be, this is what it's like to be a Vikings fan. So I get it, and I get that you kind of have – we have some sort of like minor level of PTSD because of that. I get it. I get it, okay? But it hasn't been like that. Like how long does he have to be good for us to start being like, okay, maybe 
maybe, you know, you just have a bad game every once in a while. I mean, Tom Brady played terrible yesterday, okay? Are we still saying that he's not good? Are we going to say that he's not good? I mean, some of you might be like, oh, he's old, he's regressing, whatever. Uh, Dak Prescott has a bad game every now and then. He's an up-and-up quarterback. Most of you guys would agree that he's a good quarterback now, right? Lamar Jackson got smoked by the Browns. Was that just a bad game? I don't know. I mean, quarterbacks sometimes just have bad games. I'm starting to believe that it's more of an outlier than a consistent issue with Kirk Cousins right now. That's where I'm getting to, mm-hmm. and Seattle will prove that game. will kind of yeah. prove that point, I think. Yeah, that Seattle game is going to tell us a lot right. uh, about Kirk, about this team, about how serious they should be talked about in the NFL. Um, our last one here from Adam New at Adam J New 85. Uh, he says an eight. All the things Kurt couldn't do, he's proving he can. Feeling to come back hopefully after the bye. Uh, Cook still does okay when even when he has a bad game. Uh, and a nice bye week now to rest up for the final push. Uh, I don't think Kirk, Cook was effective at all. Uh, I think Denver rendered him basically a non-factor like we talked about. Uh, but I think the larger point here that I want to touch on is the bye week is very much needed right now yeah a lot of banked up you know linval's out and thielen's out uh kurt and then you got you got hamstring yeah. with harrison smith yep. and by the way delvin anthony cook, harris yeah anthony harris too but we kind of glossed over the fact that delvin cook had like a shoulder yeah he like did he too. hurt his shoulder it looked, it looked like a collarbone injury at first that was, which yeah. it doesn't it doesn't yeah. appear to be that because he went back in and played yeah but that was that was scary it so it would be nice uh, and, and on top of it they, they get 14 days of rest too from today as Plus, of this recording. They're playing Monday they're play- night. Yeah, they're yeah. playing Monday night. That's right. That's this an is, extended bye. This is imp- yeah, this is this is coming. I mean, it seems like bye weeks always, I mean, maybe it's just the inherent nature of a bye that every team kind of needs time to, you know, recoup, uh re-energize or whatever, but this really feels like, you know, at 8 and 3, you got a solid you got an important five game stretch coming up. You want everyone healthy for these, you know, two or three very big games, Seattle, San Diego, Los Angeles. Uh, who's a good team and a team that you need to beat, and then that's on the road. And then you've got Green Bay coming to town. I mean, this is – it could not be coming at a better time. Yep, yep. Okay, and then I guess last on the docket here was – I know you wanted to touch on fandom. You, you've uh, teased me a little bit with the rant, perhaps a rant. I don't know if we're going to – we'll see what unfolds here, if it's a rant or what it is. I'm in a better mood. I'm in a better mood now than I was when I texted you that, so I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, you're, the floor is yours, sir. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, the reason why this is, this is this is coming up now is because so after the first half during the Vikings game, I want to say that ninety percent of you, and this includes myself, and I'll let you speak for yourself, but most of us thought this game was over, right? Uh, we went into this half saying it's going to take a miracle. Like that's like the. The highest level of praise was it's going to take a miracle to come back and win this game. So a lot of you guys were very frustrated. And I, I, I don't really love tweeting that much anymore, but I do love to read your guys' thoughts during Vikings game. I love to scroll down up and down my Twitter feed and read your reactions to every little thing. Uh, and so I, I, I spent probably too much time doing that. And a lot of you guys are very passionate fans, and I respect the hell out of that. And – I think it's really important that you have the right to be whatever type of fan that you want to be, okay? Uh, Now, what I'm ramping up to here is I want to have kind of a broader discussion about just fandom in general. And, like, the way that that other fans treat each other, how they interact when things kind of go sideways. The natural reaction 
And social media is the epitome of this because it's literally got everyone from the most rational fan to the most irrational fan all in one place. It's all grouped together. So you're going to see literally everything, okay? You've got some, you got some fans who are just off the wall, and I don't – and that is your right as a fan, okay? And then you've got other fans I like to classify myself in this group who are a little bit more rational. They don't take it personally. They don't let it ruin their day. They try to have sort of a mature approach where they're seeing it as just a game and it's not really about your life. It's not going to ruin your life. That's kind of where I stand as a fan. Now, the way that people like me interact with the other the other group, the irrational group, it's like it, it's hilarious, first of all. But second of all, it's like it, it just it doesn't make sense to me. The rational fan loves to discredit the fandom of the irrational fan. OK, so you've got. You've got these people, and by the way, I do not condone, I do not condone this type of behavior. I understand, <laughs> well, I don't understand it, but like, you've got some people who are just carpet bombing Twitter with F-bombs when the, twin, when the Vikings go down. And while I share your sentiment, I don't understand why you have to, like, I don't get, like, do you not have an employer that might look at that? Like, are you not concerned about, like, your public image at all? Like, I don't, I don't understand that, but like, I, 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 like, I get where you're coming from, but like, that doesn't make sense to me. And then you've got the other side who is just chastising this group and saying, like, you're not a real fan because you don't like that. You don't believe in the team anymore. Okay, I said this earlier. I think that's delusional. It's literally delusional to me to just think the Vikings are in every single game. Objectively speaking, from every statistic, 96% chance that Denver was going to win that football game. It is okay to say, this team sucks right now. I hate this. You know, insert expletive. It is okay to think that way. And it doesn't discredit your fandom either. It, in fact, it might make you more of a fan because you're so passionate that you're quite literally exploding with like emotions because of it. I think it's a dangerous way to live your life. And I think that a lot of you guys, as you kind of get older, because I remember being 18, 19, 20 years old and thinking that way, ride or dying with this team. And I think as you get a little bit older and you find other things to love, it becomes less important in your life that the Vikings win. But, like, you're not less of a fan. And I think that's so ridiculous to call people out. I Oh, my – it just it, – it, it, it legitimately bothers me to be like – So you're saying – you're talking about the people that would have gotten uh... – you know, old take exposed type of thing yesterday where like if they had said like, well, this team sucks seven and four now, whatever. Yeah. And then the fans that go back in and say, oh, you're not a true fan. If you did, you jumped off the bandwagon. I, I think that's so absurd. It's so absurd. And I love old take old takes exposed. I think it's I, I think it's equally absurd to get mad about getting old take exposed because everyone has cold takes. I mean, I, I probably have one somewhere <laughs> in this episode right now. <laughs> so I think I think it's ridiculous to get mad at that, but I also think it's ridiculous to say, like, you are not a true fan, you're not you're a bandwagoner, you're whatever type of adjective you want to say, because you get pissed off when or you believe you don't have faith. It's like faith is so subjective. There's a reason why there's fifty different types of religions in the world. It's because everyone's faith is different and people go up and down with this roller coaster ride with their faith. I am not someone who is going to stare into a twenty to nothing lead and say, 
I still believe in this team. <laughs> That's so ridiculous to me. Like, it's it's so okay of you to be like, all right, 7-4, and four, uh, we probably aren't going to win the North. This sucks. I hate Sundays. Football's the worst. Can't wait till two weeks from now when the Vikings lose again to Seattle. Such a normal thing to say in that circumstance. And such a <laughs> weird thing to say 20 minutes later, saying, I told you so. I had faith that we'd come back. No, you're stupid. You're straight up dumb. I, okay, I don't, I don't know. I wasn't at the game. I wasn't at the game. But – from all accounts, every single fan in that stadium was booing, right? So we could <laughs> yeah. make we could make this we could make this an argument about booing. Like, you know, if you're booing a team, then you're not a proper fan. You're not, you know, you shouldn't be cheering for the team. Whatever, like, like this, that's a whole other argument. But okay, from my perspective here, you can cheer for the team however you want to cheer for them, you know. Right. And at the same time, if you're criticized for the way you cheer for your team who cares who cares well, first of all who cares and second of all you have that person has the right to dislike the yes. way that you are a fan doesn't of matter. the team doesn't matter nothing i mean people care too much about how others well, want they, to they can't, people, doesn't matter like you're not going to change someone's mind they've been a fan for however many years like they're going to be that way like they might like like i said and mature is really not the right word they might grow in their fandom, their fandom might change. They might become a little bit more. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you haven't had some rational. sort of epiphany with Vikings by this point, like uh, where, like if I was the, at the point yesterday, you know, I I thought the game was over at seventeen or twenty nothing. I thought it was over, and I thought, I mean, I'm with you. I, that's totally normal. I'm looking, trying to look back on it and see if it was stupid, but it, I don't think it is. Like, given the numbers, given the statistical. Uh, uh, percentages i guess there's no way plus the vikings and i want to say cursed there's just no way the vikings should win that game uh so i, I don't know it's i, I just fan i just, you want a fan. I, I, just I, I, I think me, that fandom me. is so interesting just in general because like you have the side that i said you've got the you got the people who are dropping f-bombs up and down the timeline saying that every single vikings player sucks Mainly Kirk Cousins, for what it's worth, no matter the situation, and that's hilarious too. And then, but the other side is just as ridiculous to me when they're sitting there and they're like hashtag faith. I'm like, no hashtag dumb, dude. Like, like that's just you're being you're being absurd. Like, it, it's so not it's it's not rational either way. You're both like you're you're extremists on either side. Like, you got to find some sort of middle ground. And if you can't find that middle ground, you like you don't need to. I don't care if honestly, I don't I don't care if you do. But, like, at the same time, like, you can't get pissed off at someone for thinking differently about the way that they cheer for their team. Like, you, can, you can't get mad about that. And if you're not going to change, then, like you said, who cares? But if you are like, – if, if, you're, if you're not going to change, why are you debating what's acceptable and what's yeah. not? Why are you calling people out for saying you don't know how to be a fan the right way? Why is your way of being a fan the right way? I just think that being all rational just- – Let's all just be fans how we want to be fans. That's, you know? that's what I think, and that's what it comes down to. I just think it's so absurd that, like, ah, it's just like – but, it's again, it's, I, I say all of this by, by also including that it is very entertaining for me. I enjoy the, the mix of emotions that I see. But I also think, like, I also kind of look at it sometimes and I'm like, eh, like, I don't, I don't know about that take. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, but that's just, you know, that's my approach. And you could have a different approach. And that's cool with me, but 
for sure probably yeah. think about it's, the fact that your employers are going to be looking at your Twitter account. Yeah, right? I've, I've, uh, yeah, I thought about that, and I, I, I know for a fact that it happens. I uh, do too. You know. Yeah, especially it's, in this it, age. It is a fact that it happens. And, you know, it, depending on your position, it might be less important right. what you say on social media. But it don't you? But like, if don't you're, you? If, like, you're, if you're if you're displaying that much emotion on your social media account about a football game, it's not a great. I mean, look. if you were like, just objectively speaking, if you're hiring someone, right? You, I mean, I know that you're like not going to be in a position to do that for probably at least some time but if you at some point you get to the point where you're hiring someone do you i mean are you gonna like if you look at their twitter account and you just see like this flurry of just kind of like curse words up and down like they don't know how to filter themselves whatsoever on social media like that's that's gonna rub just about everyone the wrong way right you know like it, it you're never gonna, gonna look gonna at be, that i don't know we're, we're getting into a discussion that's a little <laughs> bit off topic about being a Vikings fan, but yeah, that's true. It, that's true. I think you can only learn so much from somebody's social media accounts, but that's true. It it, it is very. It's, it, it it's, gives it's, you it gives you like uh, an expectation for when you meet the person, you know, in person. Yeah. You know, you have yeah. like an expectation of what might happen. Yeah. And sometimes that might be a negative perception, but all right, we're we're, we're kind of getting some life lessons here on the <laughs> unbelievable podcast. Yeah. I do. Th- it, it's interesting. Uh, and uh, yeah, feel free to feel free to share your thoughts with me because, like I said, I do like reading them. And now that we're you know posting on Daily Norseman, I like I do read all of your guys' comments. I'm gonna read every single one of them, and I don't care if it's negative or positive, whatever, because it's fun for me. So if you have thoughts on the show or you know this little criticize us for sure, do it. I, like I, if if we're doing something something wrong, like definitely tell us. Yeah, I like. We that. might not change what we're doing, but we also <laughs> might. <laughs> you never know. Uh, all right, guys. Well, that is uh, that is the show. Uh, I hope that you guys appreciated everything from the breakdown to uh, where we just got a little bit sidetracked there. Uh, but that was, I mean, that's that's a fun discussion for me. When the to have, police so. visited your apartment, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're so, yeah, fun, that's, they're that's so gonna, funny I'm, too. I'm going to be interested to see if there's any feedback on that because I literally just tried to like, I was, I was admittedly very rattled when you just like left and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to just try and power through here. Let's see here. <laughs> How long am I going to have to go solo here? And I'm just talking about this tweet. I see another one, and uh, yeah, and then you come back, and then I reread the tweet that I was talking about already. And it... <laughs> yeah, we apologize for that. The cops were funny, though. They were good cops. Egan cops are great. Uh, anyways, uh, if you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, we appreciate it. If you want to leave a review, a written review, we also appreciate that as well. Um, like I said at the top, you can find us on Daily Norseman and the Climbing the Pocket Network. Make sure to check out the rest of the podcasts they have available there. They're all excellent, a lot of different personalities. So if you don't like us, maybe you'll like someone else. Uh, we appreciate all of it. And, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, YouTube as well. If you like watching videos um, instead of listening. You might want to watch this one. This, this, might might watch an, this, one. this might be an entertaining one to watch. Yeah, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, you can find that there, and then the Twitter account. Share your thoughts with us there as well. Uh, unbelievable underscore mn. Um, we appreciate it all. So thanks for listening, guys, and we will catch you later on this week. Yeah.